Thanks a bunch. Wow, good evening. Isn't it great to be in God's house tonight? And I got to tell you, we base out of Wichita, Kansas, and it's been like 187 degrees there. It's been 107. And when we got off the plane, I said, I want a hoodie. And so I apologize for looking so sloppy tonight, but I'm cold. I know that sounds dumb, but we've been barbecuing. My whole, my whole body temperature's off. Well, we're so excited about being with you and looking forward to a great weekend. How many are expecting a fresh touch from God in your life? Amen? And... Um, and we're just believing God to do it tonight, and uh, I know he will. He always does. He's so faithful. I want to introduce my wife, Rochelle. Honey, would you stand up and give a wave real quick and a back flip, flip or something? And um, um, we were thinking last, last couple times we've been here, it's just been me, and there's been weird circumstances because we've always traveled together as a family. In fact, would you guys put my family picture up for me? These are my favorite people on planet Earth. So we have three adult sons. Um, on the top left is our oldest son, Braden, and his wife, Olivia. And they're in ministry in Columbus, Ohio. And then on the right is our middle son, Dolan, and his wife, Isabel. And they're both pastors on staff at the same church in Austin, Texas. And in the middle is our youngest son, Barrett, who went to school with some of your staff. Sterling, I know. And you as well, Marco? Yeah? All right. So, um, so. He is just starting his senior year at SAGU, which is kind of like the AG's Trinity, you know, Bible College, but it's in Texas. So all the guys wear cowboy hats and all the girls have blue eyeshadow up to their hairline. So that's how you can tell it. Um, but um, that's been our crew. And, and so for the last 30 years, we've been traveling, teaching on the Holy Spirit. We started before we had kids. And then as God began to bless with the kids, we just took them with us. And so in a, a normal year for us, um, depending on how the, the year falls, is usually between 275 and 300 individual services. And usually in a year's time, we're in about 30 states and uh, several nations overseas. In fact, um, when we get home from you guys, we fly home on Monday. We get home Monday night, and Tuesday morning, we take off and fly to East Africa. We'll be in Kenya and Tanzania for a couple of weeks, and then we come home. And anyway, I hope you'll, you'll keep us in prayer. Um, God has always been so faithful. He always does the heavy lifting, right? And, um, but um, it is just, just a joy. If you're interested, there's materials back there, and I would like to selfishly ask if you would grab one of our prayer cards, and if you'd remember us in prayer. Um, even if you don't like us, if you'd pray for us, it would build your character. Um, but we really do covet your prayers. I mean, I look back and the last three decades have gone by so quickly and just, just amazing. And I look at God's faithfulness all these years, just keeping us safe and helping us. And I know it's not been because of, you know, like great driving skills or whatever, you know, it's just been because God is so faithful and kind. And I hope you'll remember us in prayer. Um, if you're interested, there are some books and other materials back there. Let me mention two things real quick. People always ask two questions. What's your newest thing? The newest book is this one, Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. And this is designed to help you um, in a super practical way in opening up to identifying and opening up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, matter of fact, the whole last third of the book, it's in, in three chunks, the last third of the book is all about discerning the voice and leading of the Holy Spirit. How do you know if that prompting's from you or from God and knowing what God would anoint you to do? Really super helpful and it's a lot of fun. And then people always ask about um, audio and video. So back in the day, we would bring like uh, 16 millimeter films of our ministry and we would bring transcriptions on tablets of granite and cassettes and CDs and all that stuff. But um, we have, Rochelle has these Holy Spirit digital teaching libraries and on this is like a virtual Bible school on the Holy Spirit. 
It's got a flip out USB on it. There's audio and video on there. It's uh, every teaching series we've ever done, audio and video on there. There's stuff about every gift of the Spirit. Um, there's you know, all kinds of things on there. And you can stick it in your computer or your smart TV or um, you know your car stereo if it's equipped with a USB. If you're from North Dakota, sorry, you're just going to have to stick it in your ear. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but uh, take advantage of it. Um, they're back there, and she can help you. And just so you know, those media cards are kind of intentional fundraisers for our missions. So if you really want to get rid of us, you can grab one of those. Uh, well, we're going to dive in. Um, tonight, our subject is all about embracing the Holy Spirit. And then, you need to pose for a picture. There you go. Okay. And then um, tomorrow night is, or tomorrow morning, we're going to talk about, in Sunday school, as Pastor mentioned, about ministering spirit baptism. But tomorrow, Sunday morning, we're going for it, and we're going to have a receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning. And But if you're not, maybe you drug in here from another church or you got to work tomorrow or the parole officer's getting you again for tomorrow or something like that, you can't be here because I know Pastor Ben was telling me the, the personal testimony on that. But if that's, if that's the case, um, you can receive spirit baptism tonight, all right? Is that a deal? Right? You can beat the rush. And then tomorrow night, we're going to talk about um, operating in the Spirit's power, have a great time of healing, prayer, and all whatever else God wants to do, and more people fill the Holy Spirit, whatever God wants to do. So that's just kind of the plan and uh, subject to change, but I think that's the leading of the Lord, so kind of where we're going to be. So our theme tonight is all about embracing the Holy Spirit. So I know, like, I know we're kind of in the in the way far northern edges of South Dakota. Are there any North Dakotans here? Did any cross the line? All right, we have a couple that have crossed the barbed wire and made it across, all right? Um, but, um, you know, when, when you think about uh, different, like, the way people are wired up, and this is, this is a sweeping generalization, but um, a lot of times people respond to other people different based upon cultural norms for them. And uh, like, for example, my mother, um, her entire family is all German. In fact, my grandfather as a toddler came across from the Black Forest in Germany, across, you know, to Ellis Island, the whole business. Um, and so they're all German. And I think my mom's marriage to a non-German was, you know, maybe scandalous or something like that. And uh, their expression of affection was a crisp handshake in the morning. And, you know, that's kind of the way it was. And I know not all Germans are that way, just all but one. And, um, and then on my dad's side, uh, they were like English and Scotch and a little dachshund, a little poodle, some other stuff mixed in there. But my dad's family, man, they were ooey gooey, man. I mean, it just is like enough kissing already. I can't handle it too much, you know, and especially later on when grandma would get the whiskers and stuff like that. And, but you know, how many of you are huggers? Do we have any huggers out there? Okay. How many of you are not so much? You keep your greasy arms to yourself right? But doesn't it kind of depend on who it is, right? Uh, you know, so there, you have that spectrum of, well, I feel really close to this person, or I'm not so sure. Is that the guy that smells like fried onions? I'm not sure. You know, I don't want to get that on my shirt kind of a thing. But you have that spectrum. And, and honestly, my grandma Enlo, my dad's mom, was so affectionate and so affirming. And when I think of like a no holds barred, sink in, embrace, live in the moment, you know, forget about all your problems and just experience the affirmation, I think about her embraces, her hugs. And even from the youngest childhood age, just to kind of give you a, a quick background on it. So she was 
course, Southern Illinois, Northern Kentucky, um, had a mild Southern accent, and most of her sentences began with the word hun, and she kind of whined at hun, you know, hand on the hip, always had an apron, because her love language was fattening you up for slaughter, or clogging your arteries, whatever it was, with fat and carbohydrates. She cooked with pure lard and lots of butter, and probably some WD-40 too, I don't know. But I mean, I mean, everything was, like, like I can help you kind of get her vibe for a moment, that if you just close your eyes for a quick moment, and you get in the back of your brain, can you recall the best uh, pan, pan-fried, fried chicken you've ever eaten that's not greasy? I mean, it's, it's so good, it would make the colonel lick his fingers, like even better than pizza ranch fried chicken. I mean, it's so good, right? And, and then on top of that, in your memory, and with your hand, reach out and grab a hold of that warm oven door handle, open it up, and get blasted in the face with the intense heat of buttery, sugary, cinnamony, homemade uh, grandma sliced apple cobbler. You got that? And like overwhelming. And then on top of that, if you just slather on a thin note of Aquanet hairspray. Do you have that all combined together? But when, when she would hug you, um, because you, you would just feel all of your problems of the moment melt away because she was 100% affirmation and love and there was just no holds barred and when she would you would see her she would just say cunt come here you know and, and she would kind of pull you in and, and it was assisted by the fact that she was covered in some Tempur-Pedic foam all over you know and just kind of feel smothered but I was never concerned that she was going to like hug me and kind of reach around for my wallet you know I mean there was no ulterior motive do you have some people like that in your life and maybe they've already gone on, and just thinking about those memories kind of stirs up some happy brain chemistry of, of thinking about people that have so positively influenced you and loved you unconditionally. And this is honestly exactly what Jesus was talking about at the Last Supper. Now, I wasn't talking about my grandma or fried chicken, though they may have had it, I don't know, probably lamb. But um, somewhere between the main course and the dessert, Jesus sat down with the disciples, and he taught them his longest preserved teaching discourse, mostly about the Holy Spirit. And in this portion, John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is trying to move the disciples from a distant wave at the Holy Spirit, like a neighborly thing over the fence, to a warm, trusting embrace where they were not concerned about the Holy Spirit's motives. They weren't looking for someone else. They didn't think, you know, that he had an ulterior motive, but to fully trust in him. And the reason why, it's always been the plan of God, but the reason why is that night Jesus would be arrested. Remember after dinner, they went to the garden where Jesus was later arrested, and then his illegal night trial, and the next day crucified in the tomb all day Saturday, rise, rise again from the dead on Easter Sunday for us. And then he would make just these cameo appearances over uh, 40 days, giving many convincing proofs he was alive, as Luke said, before he ascended back to heaven. And so he's kind of pleading with them with this last moment urgency, and he's trying to help them to feel and understand that even though he's not going to be physically present in one carbon human life form, um, that he is going to be present with them through the ministry of the Spirit, and they are going to have to embrace the Spirit's ministry if they're want, going to want to continue to hear the voice of Jesus and follow his leading and learn his ways and fulfill the will of God for their life. 
Now, we don't have time tonight to read all three chapters, so I've taken the liberty of just kind of doing a flyover of selecting scriptures um, in order through this passage out of John 14, 15, and 16, so we can kind of all get on deck tonight. But that does not absolve you from your responsibility of, in the next few days, to read John 14, 15, and 16. Everybody say John 14, 15, 16. In one sitting. It'll take 20, 25 minutes, okay? But based on what we learned tonight, we'll kind of hit the five major points that Jesus makes there. But based on what we do tonight, your eyes are going to be so open to the scripture. I can't wait to see what God shows you. And you're going to pick up on subtle nuances and all kinds of things about the spirit that will take you even farther than we can get tonight. And even if you're not a reader, you know, so much, you can let the Bible app read to you while you're getting ready in the morning and brushing your teeth and pulling the five-inch hair that grew overnight out of your eyebrow, whatever. And, and, uh, but you can pay attention to that way. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? And uh, we're going to read together out loud off the screen. I want you to pay attention for a couple things, all right? Jesus, number one, is vouching for the Holy Spirit because they've been so reliant on Him. And He's trying to show them, hey, you can really trust and embrace the Spirit like you have me. But then secondly, I want you to look for transfer language. It's a little nuanced difference than just the, the vouching language. It's take all of that trust and all of that uh, support, all of that uh, um, mentoring that you've received from me, and now look to the Holy Spirit for that. He's not saying stop trusting in me, but the transfer is you continue to hear me and trust in me by trusting my spirit because I'm sending him to you to do this work. And so pay attention for those two things. You ready to read out loud, big and bold, and then I'll let you sit back down and go back to sleep. All right, let's read together. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Next one, please. The world cannot receive him, because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. 
Father, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray tonight, God, you just speak to us. Open our eyes. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust and be more open to and more reliant and more attentive to your spirit who you sent to represent you after you ascended to heaven. Teach us to trust in your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen. Help us to tune in to his voice in a greater way so that we can truly hear you in a greater way and follow you and be more like you. Jesus, we're so tired of being like ourselves. It's, it's a full-time job to be like us. We want to be like you, Lord Jesus. So transform us as we learn in a greater way to rely on and embrace your spirit. Finally, Lord, I pray following your pattern of ministry in the Bible where you always taught about the kingdom of heaven and healed the sick. Lord, in conjunction with the teaching time tonight, would you walk around these aisles and lay hands on people and heal the sick tonight? In fact, I pray, Lord, that many would right now begin to sense your healing grace just beginning to fall upon their bodies, bringing restoration to... I don't know, the smallest allergy to the most critical needs here. Even our friends online, Lord Jesus, I welcome your healing grace to come. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you like. Well, again, we don't have time to go like verse by verse through this whole thing because it, um, it's, it's going to be rich. And I'm, some of you might even get kind of addicted to this passage for a little while. And it wouldn't be a bad thing if you'd even read it a couple days in a row because that's the easiest way to kind of soak and marinate in that scripture to really find the deepest meaning and things. But um, we just want to hit the five major truths that Jesus gives in this passage that move us to a warmer embrace of the Holy Spirit. Now, the good news is, even if you're not a hugger, or even if you're not a touchy-feely person, I have people who say that all the time, I, I mean, I know the Holy Spirit's real, but I'm not a touchy-feely person. Like, your emotional response makes a difference on the identity of God, you know? Um, but uh, He's here to help us, and if you are a Christian, God has pre-wired you to embrace, encounter, hear, and be led by His Holy Spirit, to be empowered by Him. Whether you presently realize it or not, God has an inheritance in the Holy Spirit for you as a Christian. How many of you are Christians? Lord, please let all the pastoral staff raise their hand. Amen. Okay, good. All right. So um, that's always a good sign. God has something great for you. Let's look at the first one, all right? So first of all, the Holy Spirit is divine. He is divine. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about someone else outside of the being of God. We're talking about um, God's personal spirit. And that's really important because for some reason, you know, when it comes to the, the being of God, we know we worship one God, right? How many of you are monotheist? You worship one God. As Christians, we worship the creator, God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, his holy, sacred Hebrew name um, that's couched in such a way in scripture and history that you almost don't want to say it, but yet it finds its way casually into our worship songs, but it's a sacred name, Yahweh, right? And it's mispronounced. Um, back in years ago, they didn't understand some ancient Hebrew vowel replacement, and he gets called Jehovah, which is a mispronunciation. It's like calling your grandpa Joe Frank, you know, but, um, but the holy sacred name, Yahweh, and it's not something you say casually. It's, it's sacred and holy. And, and so, that's who we worship. But that's the main fact about the being of God. He is one God. But God is so much bigger and vastly more complex than we are 
that within his one being are the three forever distinct persons of the Godhead or Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, or what's his name? Jesus, right? Jesus in Hebrew, and then, uh, or Greek, and then God the Holy Spirit, right? And so, when we think about this, this principle of Trinity and Godhead, those words are never used in the Bible, but the principle springs up all the time. In fact, our, the author of the passage that we're looking at, the beloved disciple John, remember him? Um, the only disciple to make it to the nursing home at the end of life, right? Um, so John, and he wrote, of course, the Gospel of John, then he wrote one, two, three John epistles, right? And then he wrote the lengthy book of Revelation, the third most prolific author of the New Testament. Um, Luke being the most prolific, biggest word count of anyone. Most people think it's Paul, but the fact is Paul wrote more individual books, 13. But Luke's, Luke and Acts together comprise a much larger writing volume than Paul's. Not like it was a competition because they were buddies. You know, you read the end of Acts and they're two years sitting at the kitchen table in Rome writing the Bible together, you know. But, um, but so you've got Luke and then you have Paul. Then you have John and Matthew would be four. But John wrote a lot. And in John's writing, those five books, including the three little guys, the one, two, three John, when he writes as a grandpa, I write to you, dear little children. He's in his 80s at that point. And he writes with his grandfatherly parental kind of perspective and language. John makes over 50, five zero references to Trinity and Godhead. Some of them are obvious, like the baptism of Jesus display. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And he even says, John the Baptist says, I saw it, you know. I mean, it was a pretty cool testimony. But then he also does some of these more oblique ones, like you'll see here. Uh, the top scripture, I, Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, speaking of the Spirit. The another there in the Greek is allos, another of the same identical kind or a just like me in this context, Jesus is saying. And then the word advocate, parakletos, or we say paraclete. Um, some versions of the Bible would say comforter, um, and that makes some sense. But for probably most of us, when we think of a comforter, what's the first thing that pops in your brain? Like a warm blanket, right, on a cold winter's night? And that's kind of not the idea, like one to console or help or counsel us. Um, some versions say counselor, which is decent also. And then from there on, English versions get squishier. You have helper, which is super vague. And then you get the ultimately squishy friend some English versions use. And it's just not the word friend. That word parakletos, you have the prefix para in the Greek, like parallel alongside is basically what it means. And then the root word is this summoning and calling for specific help and counsel, the Greek uh, verb kaleo, to call or summon. You're calling and summoning for specific help for someone to come and help you. Like the older you get, the more you get your people in life. And I just don't mean your friend circle, but like you've got your person when you've got leaky pipes. You've got your person when the, you know, the, the drain clogs. You, it's all plumbing so far. You've got people when the electrical happens. You've got people when the, you know, plagues of gnats are in your yard. You, you kind of get your people when your air conditioner goes out. You've got your people. And you have, like, like, who do you call when you're in trouble? And don't say Ghostbusters. Who do you call? You probably... YouTube, probably, right? You know, But um, you're looking for someone that has precision knowledge in a certain area that you don't possess. This is kind of that idea, a mentor, right? Like a Mr. Miyagi, right? This is kind of the, you're looking for someone to help you make decisions, give you the skill, 
And this is what Jesus had done for them. In fact, in, in the Hebrew tradition from after they came back from uh, Babylon and then the intertestamental period, the, the way they kind of would raise up culturally village elders and leaders out of a younger subset of uh, young people in the villages is that the rabbi, the local you know, temple representative that kind of ran the synagogue in town, the branch office of the temple in the town, remote office, the rabbis would look and they would kind of see and pay attention to the best and brightest young people that were coming up in the community. And the, the, the uh, rabbi would invite those sharp young people into an informal and sometimes formalized mentoring relationship with the invitation that we translate in English as simply, follow me. Does that sound familiar? Right? So this is a very common thing Jesus did, but he put it on its ear because, number one, he wasn't just an ordinary human, though he was fully human, because he's also fully God, right? And Jesus didn't pick the best. He picked the worst, right? You've read the Bible. How many have ever read the Bible before? Lord, let all the pastors raise their hand. Okay, all right. So, um, so he picks the worst. He picks the people the rabbis would have never picked, I mean, just look around you tonight. He still does the same thing, right? And Jesus invited these people, hot-headed fishermen, cheating tax collectors, the zealot, which is kind of like a political subversive, and, you know, even uh, Judas Iscariot, we say, but most likely he was a part of the Sicari cult, which was kind of a, you know, man of the short sword, political assassin, stabby in the back, which is kind of the twist because that's what he did with Jesus. I mean, he picks all these bad people, right? And he pours his life into them. And Jesus turns to his disciples after people start departing when he gets to his hard teachings. And he goes, are you going to leave me too? And what do the disciples say? What does Peter say? Lord, where are we going to go? You have the very words of life. We're just ordinary tradespeople, you know, agro-fishermen, cheating tax collectors, etc. And you've invested in us like no one else, educationally mentoring. But on top of that, all of the spiritual dynamics, Right? And so Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to go, but I'm going to continue my ministry in you by sending another one just like me who is going to stand alongside you and continue this, and he is the Holy Spirit. We're going to skip the next two slides and go to point two if we can. So he's divine. When you open up and embrace the Spirit, you're not embracing someone else. You're embracing God's personal Spirit. Then secondly, the Spirit is trustworthy. And this is kind of the central theme woven through this whole passage. That vouching stuff, Jesus is going, hey, if you trust me, how many of you trust Jesus? Like, you trust him so much, you're trusting him with your eternity, right? If you trust me, Jesus is saying, then trust my Holy Spirit just the same. Jesus says, he, the Spirit, will teach you, which is the verb associated with the rabbi mentor, he will teach you how much? Everything. Will teach. Future. He will teach you in the future everything, but he will also remind you, past tense, of everything I have told you. So he's trying to see this seamless trajectory of instruction and growth that's taking place. Jesus is not, as he said to them, well, I'm not leaving you as orphans in John 14. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm leaving you in the care of the Holy Spirit who's just going to continue this work. Then Jesus says, you can trust him because I'm sending him to you, right? He is the spirit of, I'm not so sure. The spirit of, what's it say? Truth. And truth is something that a lot of people don't believe really exists anymore. 
Even Pilate had a hard time with it, right? And so, you know, what is, what is this thing? And this is this external auditor on reality, because we all kind of get in our own echo chambers and or deception chambers from the messaging of the world around us. And it, truth becomes this blurry thing. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit is always trustworthy. He is the spirit of truth. He never leads you astray. And he will come to you. So Jesus saying, I'm sending him. And he comes to you from the Father. If you know your church history, man, that, that caused a church split there. But, um, but Jesus is showing them, listen. You can trust, if you trust me, Jesus, if you trust the Father, then trust the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? And he will testify all about Herbalife. I know digs on Herbalife. I was just trying to think of some multi-level thing, right? Like, you ever have those friends that they have that ulterior motive? Yeah? No, he'll testify all about me, Jesus says. Do you see the loyalty of the Holy Spirit here? You can trust the Holy Spirit. Then number three, the Holy Spirit is recognizable. And this is so important. A lot of people don't realize, is it okay if I come down here? I like to spit on the people just right here. Um, so if this is huge because a lot of times before people really perceive that they actually have decent spiritual antennas, which every Christian does, whether you've discovered them or not, um, and maybe tonight's a big part of that for some, but before you understand this, it all feels super vague. Like, hi, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm walking up a steep mountain staircase with no handrails into a foggy cloud, and I hope I don't fall off the edge, and hope there's not a banana peel there or whatever kind of a thing. And it kind of feels maybe even dangerous to some people. But once you understand this principle, you realize you are surrounded with God's safety nets, and you have firm biblical handrails to hang on to when you're reaching out um, and trying to understand something spiritually. Jesus says the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. Remember, truth and holy. Do you see that? Not error and, you know, lead you astray or unrighteous. Holy. And he leads into all truth. The world, which means lost, people without the spirit, cannot receive him because they aren't looking for him and even if they found him, they couldn't recognize him, right? No caller ID. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Of course, after his resurrection, John 20, that night he breathed the Holy Spirit to live inside. How many of you know the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us? Jesus breathes his spirit inside of every one of us as a Christian the moment we're saved, right? This is really important. He's not just there when you feel him. He's there all the time, which is good news because some people think the Holy Spirit, like, well, you got to sing 25 songs and smear some spiritual peanut butter on your finger. And, come, Holy Spirit, wherever you are, come land on me for a moment, you know. But Okay, and then when you go, you leave, then he flies back into heaven's dove cage until next week. He lives inside of you. In fact, the biblical principle is people in the old covenant had to go to a specific location to encounter the Spirit. But now, God, when Jesus said it's finished and rose again from the dead, curtain was torn in two at his death. And then now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and we take the Holy Spirit with us. You are now the portable temple. 
I watch all these people that just go ham over speculative prophecies. It's like, read your Bible. You know, making all these strange connections between Bible verses that really don't connect. And they are all excited about building this building in Jerusalem. I got bad news for you. There may well never be a constructed temple in Israel. Who knows? Only God knows those things. But even if it did, it would be an empty, meaningless, spiritually artifact building. Because you are the fulfillment that God dwells in his people. In the Old Testament, only one person could go up in the mountain and meet with God, right? And what would happen if any of the rank and file people would touch the mountain? They'd meet Jehovah Nukem, the Lord who kills you, right? But now, the whole, you people, some of you know you're Hebrews. But now, you and I bear the Spirit inside of us. Central theme of Paul's writings on the Spirit, you're the temple. He lives in you. And whether you feel him or not, he lives inside of you. The only way he would leave is if you would evict or divorce Jesus from your life. Because the Holy Spirit only goes where people welcome Jesus in that way, in that inhabitory way. So this is huge. The world can't recognize him, but you can. For some Christians that go, well, you know, I'm just not touchy-feely. You know, they look at some other Christians that are kind of wired towards like the first worship chord. They're up the center aisle with a banner on, or a streamer on a stick or something like that. You know, I always wear safety glasses in the front row. But, you know, they're, they're you know, the woo-hoos, whatever. And that's awesome. Some people are wired that way, you know. Um, they kind of come out of the womb with Red Bull in their blood, you know. It's great. But maybe you, a lot of people I've found over the years, they kind of view themselves as being more quiet, more reserved. That does not mean that you have an inferior ability or a lesser ability to perceive and understand the Holy Spirit. Every one of us as Christians, we are pre-wired with the same limitless spiritual potential to fulfill the will of God for our lives, Right? Some people look and they go, oh, well, that one person, you know, they kind of glow in the dark. And when they're pushing their shopping cart down Walmart, all the people fall down as they're going behind them and stuff. And, you know, God wants to tabernacle in you by his spirit. And so this recognizable thing. So let me demonstrate this practically. Okay, so tonight during amazing worship, by the way, fantastic. Um, During worship, how many of you experienced God's presence tonight during worship? How many are kind of accustomed to that, though, right? When you worship, when you pray, when you read the Bible, you do anything spiritually is a good way to kind of tune in your radio frequency to the blip of the Holy Spirit, and then you kind of fine-tune, and oh, then it comes in clear. This is the same way. Now, what was really happening is you were becoming sensitized to the already present presence of the Holy Spirit, Right? And when you sensed him, did you have all your alarm bells ringing? Hey, wait a minute. Who is this? Who am I feeling? What am I sensing? Because when you as a believer are sensing God's presence, generally what you're specifically sensing theologically is the awareness of the Holy Spirit, right? So when you sensed him, were you like hands out? Hey, wait a minute. License and registration, please. Who is this? Can I see your identification, your lanyard, please? No, you knew without question it was God's spirit, God's presence, right? You didn't, weren't concerned tonight when you're singing about uh, surrendering to Jesus that you were actually experiencing the devil, were you? Because you can recognize him. I've raised our boys. My wife and I have raised our boys. She, she did the good raising. But um, we've raised our sons to teach them that if, if you're walking with the Lord in any basic level at all, trust your spiritual gut. Trust it. 
make mistakes when you hurry up or when you, you know, but trust it. Stop and listen and ask and pay attention. You can recognize me. Even if you don't think you have in the past, it's a new day for you to pay attention and listen. And he wants to help you. Like in complex family stuff or in difficult decisions or even down to what motor oil, you know, viscosity to pick. He cares and he'll help you. He helped me find a drop screw in the back of an engine the other day. I mean, that may not sound important to you, but at that moment, that was the biggest thing in my life, you know. And he's there to help if you just stop and ask him. And he's, he so cares about the relational side that he kind of pays attention and, and is there to teach you and help you. Like, you know, Lord, how can I grow? How can I hear from you more? How can I be more like you? How can I stop being like my terrible Aunt Susan or whatever, you know, whatever? How, Lord, how can I? And you ask him those questions and you pay attention and you listen. He will speak to you and you can recognize him. In fact, that's the next one is that kind of dovetails. He's um, revelatory. He does. He speaks and reveals. You In the, the Last Supper discourse, every verb about the Holy Spirit is all revelatory. Speak, teach, lead, guide, direct, reveal, tell, make known. He talks. Some people create these weird tensions that, oh, well, then that conflicts with the Bible and whatever. There's no confliction between the Holy Spirit's voice and the Bible. Second Peter 1.21, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, right? Where do you think the Holy came from in Bible, right? It's his first name, you know? But he wrote the Bible. There's no conflict. Well, people go, well, what if there's a prophecy that conflicts Scripture? Well, then the person that prophesied was wrong. There's never like a, oh, I'm, you know, and, and even the Bible shows us that any kind of prophetic word or guidance that we feel is always subject to the fuller counsel of God's word. So there's no, there's no tensions that are in there. Some people try to like right away arm up against hearing the Holy Spirit's guiding and leading, but Jesus did the exact opposite. I even heard one very famous uh, radio and TV preacher, very famous guy uh, from California, and he's uh, a- kind of anti-Pentecostal, charismatic guy. Brother in Christ will probably live next door to him in heaven, and hopefully you'll be you. But, um, but I've actually heard him say, you just can't trust things about the Holy Spirit because it's so easy to be led astray. But Jesus tells us the exact opposite. It's innately wired in you. If you're walking in the light, you have fellowship, and uh, he cleanses you. And John would later on say that you have an anointing as a Christian from the Holy One, and you're not going to be deceived. And so this is really helpful for us. Now, if you're not ever reading your Bible and all you do is read vampire books and, you know, don't go to church and don't pray, then don't trust your gut. But as a Christian, this is an innate part of the package deal. He reveals, he speaks to us. Jesus says, I need to download so much more to you, but you either don't have the hard drive space or the dough's not risen enough yet in you, you know, or maybe a whole bunch of other stuff. But then you can hear him almost sigh relief, but when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to take you the rest of the way into this truth that I have for you. He reveals. And then he says he will not speak on his own or his own initiative. Isn't that a weird sentence? What questions does it raise? He's not an original, authentic voice. Is he a plagiarist? Because I didn't see any footnotes, you know. Is he a Milli Vanilli? You know, what's he doing, right? And then Jesus just kind of lets that hang. He goes on to say he will tell you about the future, which on a practical level he's done in all of our lives. Not stock picks or, you know, um, anything like that, but lotto numbers. In fact, Pastor Ben was bemoaning that again. Man, I always pick the wrong ones. But, um, no, I'm teasing. But, um, 
It was, it was actually Pastor Marco. But um, the, this is important. Like, think about on the big scale. Probably no one in this room has been to heaven. I know every once in a while God beams somebody up to the mothership and gives them a tour so they can come back down and write a best-selling I Saw It book. But, but um, you know, there's actually very little details about heaven in the Bible. And in fact, most of the folklore people believe about heaven is not in the Bible. You don't wear a robe. You don't get blonde Ted Nugent hair. You don't get harp lessons. You don't sprout wings, you know. I mean, none of that's in the Bible. Very little information, and there's hardly any pictures on TripAdvisor about it, right? Very, very limited information. And yet, how many of you have the spiritual, non-sensory, but the spiritual awareness that you're living for there and you're going there one day, right? You have revelation from the Holy Spirit that comes alive from the Holy Spirit's writing to us in the Bible, and it comes alive with spiritual content. How many have ever sensed the comfort of the Holy Spirit knowing that your friend or loved one is indeed with the Lord in heaven when they passed away? And you have no, like Jesus didn't send a notarized FedEx, hey, by the way, grandma made it in, you know? But you know it. These are spiritual revelations. That's like the big, you know, blurry future. But even right now, if I were to ask you, and maybe I will actually come to think of it, how many of you can remember a time when God by His Spirit has led you to help you make a decision? And if you can't think of it right away, it's probably because it's become so second nature in your Christianity. Don't you wish you would have kept better notes? So when the time of trouble comes or sometimes their spiritual hearing gets off or sometimes it feels like God hides for whatever reason we won't know till heaven but for seasons and it would be great to have a, the ability to go back and remember those Ebenezer stones of God helping us. You know, How many of you married the right person, for example? Boy, that's a loaded question. Don't raise your hand if you didn't. Okay, so look at, that, look at that third line again. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Well, then go to the next one, please. This is the contiguous verse. He says, he the Spirit will bring me, Jesus, glory by telling you whatever he receives from me, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus-focused. In fact, biblically, theologically, technically, you could say that whenever you hear revelation from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's voice or leading, you're not specifically hearing data generated by the Holy Spirit. You're hearing content generated by Jesus communicated through His Holy Spirit. And if you think that, well, that's a little sketchy, look what He does in the next verse. He sketches this thing out for us. I want you to pay attention to the parties in the next verse. So you have, Jesus says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. Now, this is a clunky, inarticulate, and inadequate illustration. But if you have the being of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then you have you and I over here, Jesus says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. The Father hands something to Jesus. He said, that's why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine. Jesus hands to the Holy Spirit and make it known to you. Do you see that transmission chain of communication? I mean, he lays it out. What happens if you choose to not warmly embrace and open up to the Holy Spirit and you minimize his voice or ignore him? All of a sudden, your spiritual hearing and spiritual potential is drastically diminished because you can't hear everything Jesus is saying. 
And for Christians to have a functional, be functional binetarians, a father, son, or a lot of Christians are father, son, holy Bible. But the Holy Spirit is your connection to hear God's voice, to know his leading. And sometimes he speaks in loud and dramatic ways, and sometimes it's just through gentle whispers. But no matter how he speaks, we need to hear everything he says. Even Jesus said to the devil, actually, man shall not live by bread alone. I know the keto people like that verse, but Jesus is still the bread of life. Um, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? How many words? Every word. I don't think any of us would be so arrogant as to say, I think I've heard everything Jesus has ever tried to tell me. But how many think your odds are a whole lot better when you embrace the Holy Spirit? Has anybody ever told you to go fly a kite? Why just today? How many have actually flown a kite before? You've actually held the string. Could I invite the worship team back up? Actually, anyone that's ever wanted to play an instrument, just come on up. Even if you've never played, come on, come on, come on. Okay, bring the spoons. All right, so... um, You've actually flown, hold your hand up if you've ever held the string on a kite before, okay? Isn't that kind of like a simple base human experience sometimes people associate with childhood or whatever? Um, I have a friend that's a a, a Christian um, psychologist and psychiatrist, so it's kind of a cool blending. And um, and he told me some time ago, Dr. Dan Montgomery told me that, um, that he has dealt with patients over the years that have battled with all kinds of uh, depression issues and complex psychological things. And part of his prescription for them is to try to fly a kite three times a week. Because he said there's just this strange, wonderful release of brain chemistry involved in that. I mean, you've done it. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's so base. But I think that's the closest metaphor uh, that I've ever realized about opening up to the Holy Spirit. Because you think about it in the beginning... You've got to put action and attention in it. You've got to run, right? You, you let out maybe six, eight, ten feet of string, and you start running. Your activity is what creates the lift. You know, the, as you're running, the kite's just doing this, hitting the ground, flopping. And then at a certain point, you get just the right amount of string, right? You kind of feel it and the right amount of speed and sometimes the right amount of pixie dust or something. And all of a sudden, the kite's doing this, and then it just sticks. You know that feeling? You might have, I don't know, 30 feet of string out then, 20 feet. It depends on the conditions. And from that moment onward, you can stand stationary and just hold that thing at that very low altitude, the very lowest altitude that it will fly, and you can just stand there. And there's this strange elation associated with it. Um, Maybe it's the idea of flight, you know. Most people in their life have had several dreams about flying. It's just a strange thing that goes on. You feel kind of untethered, and you feel free at the same time, and yet you feel connected to an invisible reality. It's a very, very interesting, very complex, and yet simple all at the same time. But from that moment onward, it's entirely up to your own personal level of comfortability how much string you let out from that point, right? The thrill seekers are unwind that thing, let her go, you know, the more conservative people, the Germans are holding it back, you know, and because, but um, it's, it's one of those things where based on your level of comfortability is how much you do. The only thing that would keep you from maybe not maxing that out and experiencing the full amount of exhilaration, you know, let the happy juice flow is fears 
or concerns that range on a spectrum from likely or possible maybe to not likely at all. Like possible, especially me, I'm 52 and good night, your memory goes quick. Where am I again, right? But um, it's, did I remember to tie the string to the handle to the stick? You know, I mean, that's possible. Um, uh, moving on the less likely side, a fear that people have. What if the string breaks? Unless you're buying your kite at like, I don't know, Dollar General or something like that, and that's probably a good one there too. I, I've never, I've flown a lot of kite in my life, and I've never had a string break. Maybe you have. Um, but most unlikely, and yet probably the most paralyzing part of that far end of the spectrum is, what if I lose control and it gets dangerous, Right? All of a sudden, I'm standing there flying a kite, and I let it out, and all of a sudden, a wind hits, and it sweeps me to the Arctic Circle, also known as North Dakota, right? I just like that. I can deliver you from that fear right now. You ready? I'll show you the maneuver. If you're ever flying a kite, and it gets dangerous, watch this. Watch, watch. You got it? Just open your hand and let it go, all right? But, you know... Those unrealistic fears have paralyzed people from mortally embracing the Holy Spirit for years. Oh, it's going to get weird. He's going to make me do something stupid or weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't do things stupid or weird. People do. But you can't blame every representative or every uh, representation of the Holy Spirit on him. How many know God's worked with some kooky people over the years? Ourselves included. He's not going to embarrass you. He's not here to do something stupid. He's only here to do something wonderful. He's here to make you and me more like Jesus. So I want to ask you, would you stand up with me? And would you get ready just to fly a kite with me? It's so easy. I want to demonstrate this to you right now because I hope that you'll remember this. You don't have to, you know, go in a sweat lodge on the high point of the city on Yom Kippur in order to feel the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is just Turn off the distraction. Go out in your car during lunchtime. And just begin to do anything spiritual. Quiet your heart and just draw near. So will you join me? Will you kind of run with your spiritual kite? Maybe you want to say a word of prayer out loud or just acknowledge how much you love Jesus. Come on, let's just take a moment with me. Everything in your brain is going to go, we need to hurry up and move on. But your spirit, you're going to feel, is just want to stay there and hold the string and just experience the moment. It's a Saturday night. We've got some time. It's early. Would, would you just lay aside the hurry for a moment and tune in? Come on, let's just get those kites up in the air right now. Oh, Holy Spirit. I want to know you more. Jesus, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit as your representative to us. And I trust you, Jesus, so I trust your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Now, normally our prayer is addressed to the Father or to the Son, biblically, but there's nothing wrong on occasion to address the Spirit of God in prayer. After all, He's God too. And I want to ask you tonight, have, have you ever spoken to the Spirit with a welcome? I, I need you, Holy Spirit, or I welcome you. Come on, would you just let out a little string right now and just welcome the Holy Spirit? Come on. Come on, say it out loud, even if it's a whisper. 
Let it be vulnerable from your heart. Oh, I need you, Holy Spirit. I say that to just a few people in my entire life. I need you. But I do, Holy Spirit, I need you. I want to hear everything you're saying. Spirit of the Lord. Come on, just let out a little more string. Maybe lift your voice a decibel loud or a hand an inch higher or let the content of your language become more vulnerable to Him. Have you ever told the Holy Spirit that you love Him? Oh, I do. I do. I love you, Holy Spirit. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your ways. I don't want to miss one thing you say, Holy Spirit. My life is incomplete when I miss what you say. I want to hear you. I want to know you. I need your wisdom. I want you to be my rabbi, Holy Spirit, that you would teach me everything Jesus is saying. Come on, don't be in a hurry. Just slow down and let out some string. Feel the wind of God that He breathed in the nostrils of Adam in the book of Genesis. He's is blowing through your hair right now. He's moving upon you, Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. I need you, I need you. Now come on, He wants to be your mentor. Would you begin to ask Him? For wise counsel, specific wise counsel, what are some of the most taxing circumstances you're going through right now? The things that maybe keep you up at night or give you a reflex, the things that are, give you anxieties. Would you just begin to invite the Holy Spirit to speak His wisdom and guidance into those areas right now? Come on, get specific with Him, Lord Jesus all the transition in life right now with all that's happening family dynamics with decisions with financial pressures with the unknown with things not working out the way we thought they're working out whatever the thing might be I welcome you Holy Spirit would you send precision wisdom just tune our compasses to true north I pray Holy Spirit I need your guidance I need your direction I need your help Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of Jesus. Come on, do you feel the tension inside? Your brain wants to move on because things feel a little vague and unstructured right now. But your spirit just, there's something. God, God can stir you way down deep where no one else can stir. He has creator level access. What you're feeling right now is the Holy Spirit in your temple, yeah? Come on, just invite Him. Even one more step of vulnerability. What is your deepest personal conflict and struggle in life? The thing that maybe no other human or hardly anyone else knows that you've wrestled with or wrestle with, would you invite the Holy Spirit's help into that most vulnerable? That's the ultimate letting out the string. You know my heart anyway, and I just invite you, Lord. Come on. But your deepest pain or anxiety or fear, or struggle, whatever it might be, 
Oh, Holy Spirit, I trust you. I trust you. Let your glory fill my temple. Yeah. My greatest insecurity, Holy Spirit, you already know, and I invite your help and your wise counsel and ministry there. Would you take what is the master's and make it known to me in that area? I want to hear the words of Jesus. Spirit of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that you just begin to release a special gift of faith into anyone's life that's battling with overwhelming anxieties and fears in any area in life right now. Some have battled with anxieties and panic attacks and all sorts of things. And I pray right now you just inspire them in their inner being right now with a special gift of faith to believe you. Thank you, Lord, for sending healing in just a moment. It's just us, all the mean, judgmental people stayed home. It's just us here tonight, God's favorites and our friends online. That's awesome. But if you've been battling with anxieties or fears, overwhelming discouragement, those sorts of things, just, or if you have a loved one that's battling in it and you just want to stand in for them, I'm going to invite you real quick just to get out of your seats and come join me at these altars. The Holy Spirit's going to minister to you in just a moment. Just come, just as a sacrifice. If someone comes up, you know, if people go, oh, I knew that person had problems. How many know who really has the problem? It's the judgmental person, right? You know, and how many know we all need Jesus a whole lot more than any of us want to admit, like for everything, you know, how many know there's not a moment in your life when you don't need Jesus a whole lot more than you realize, right? Amen. So as you come forward, we'll pray about a couple of things, but as you come forward, I want to invite you, even if it's whispers, I want to invite you to verbalize out loud at this altar how you need Jesus in that area, what you've been going through. Like, tell it to him like you were telling it to me because I don't know your circumstance. Like a, a trusted friend, I guess, you know, you're telling them that. Tell it to Jesus again. Retell it to him, all right? If it's for you or for someone you love. And then after you've told it to him, just invite the Holy Spirit to come help you. You're going to find him washing over you and helping you. Some might feel, you know, electric power. Others might just feel the gentle comfort. He knows exactly what you need better than you do and he delivers it that way so would you just begin to share it with him would you just begin to do it come on just whisper it out loud then if you're still in your seats would you just stay engaged just draw near pray for family pray for it just come on lord we love you we love you we wait on you lord stir us lord stir us lord stir us lord stir us lord Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Feel God's power is healing a neck injury, something way up high. Also, hear the Holy Spirit say car accident. I don't know if that's the same person or not, but he's, been, he's doing a whole bunch of things. As many people as there are here, that's how many miracles God is doing right now. Thank you, Lord. All right, if you've been battling with that anxiety and stress, just, just symbolism is all this is. But I want you to close a fist and lift it up. 
in any way that's comfortable for you. And inside of that is the struggle, it's the battle. You know, these things can happen a million different reasons. It could be a physical thing, it could be a chemical thing, it could be a situational thing, it could be an attack of the devil, it could be many other dynamics or a mixture of all of the above or some, only God knows. But there's power in every one of those areas when we bring it before the Lord in prayer. And so you've unpacked that need. I want you just to tell the Lord that to the best of your ability, you're going to try to give this to him. And when you do, would you open up your hand? Lord, with every anxiety, every stress, every struggle we're facing, I just want to open up this hand and leave it at your altar. Yeah. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I don't even know how to let go of it or whatever. I don't even know all the reasons and all. I understand so little from my perspective, but I just want to cast this upon you. Holy Spirit, would you come help me? Would you take what is Christ and make it known to my friends and I tonight? Yeah. And, and now while your hand is open, would you just experience the Holy Spirit just washing over you and filling your hands? Sort of the beautiful words for holy or consecration in the Hebrew Old Testament, miliat, to fill your hands with good things. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just want you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I need you. I need you. If you have pain in your body right now, would you just lift one hand really high? Sorry if it's your arm, but if you have pain in your body, lift one arm up as high as you can reach it, straight up as you can. If you're standing by someone anywhere, balcony around the altar, by someone that has a hand up, would you be the one that reaches over and begins to pray for them? All right. Matter of fact, if we had two or three go with each one, that'd be even better at higher voltage, right? Potentials. And would you just begin to pray? Your job is to pray out loud for them. Your only concern is not your grammar, not your sentence structure. Your only concern is that you're as accurately as possible representing God's love and care for them. So would you do that? Just slow down and let them use you right now.
feel that tension of the, I, I need to go, I've got things to do, but you feel that in your heart, you feel the Holy Spirit just kind of tugging you to stay in that spot. Just like a, a great parent, because God's the best father there is, he's not so concerned about you getting everything right, like in prayer and, you know, performance-based, but it's relational. Maybe some of you noticed that as you're praying a moment ago, you know, your brain kind of loses its train of thought, and then you start praying again, or you kind of go, you know, and it, that's so kind of the Lord, isn't it? He's not looking for the perfection, the world we live in, everything's got to be perfect, or somebody's going to get fired kind of a thing, but... God's just wanted to put his spirit in your temple. He's just wanted to be with you. In fact, the ultimate, when we're in heaven with the Lord, the Bible says then we're not only going to be with him, he'll be in us, but we'll actually see him face to face. There'll be no sensory barriers to God. Our faith will become sight. He will be our God. We will be his people. How many are longing to know God more and more and more until we're ultimately with Him forever in that way. Can you just express your longing to Him to know Him more? Come on. Let that be our corporate concert right now. Oh, Lord Jesus. I want to behold You. I want to know what it's not only like to experience Your glory in the temple, but I want to see You face to face. I want to know You more. Oh, reveal Yourself to me, Lord, by Your Spirit until that day. Let me see you more. Let me hear you better. Let me feel you more accurately. continue to pray, but I feel the Holy Spirit doing some more healing things. I keep on feeling the power of God, particularly in, in my feet. And sometimes God helps us to become aware of things like that, to kind of help trigger other people to believe. That doesn't mean that if you have a pain or problem somewhere else, that God's not here to heal it. But sometimes He reveals some speci uh, specific things, like Paul in Acts 14 with a lame man, Lister, He perceived that that was, healing was at that time. And up on your feet, Jesus makes you well. And the guy hopped up and ran around and awesome stuff, you know. But if you have some issue in your feet, would you just hold up a hand? God is a podiatrist tonight, right? Hold it up real high. And would you just ask the Lord to come and send healing right now into your body? And if, you're, if you don't have an issue, would you just intercede for others? Maybe you can put your hand on your shoulder. Lord, we just welcome your healing grace right now to flow and minister to every condition in the feet, Lord, whether it's something just temporary like an injury that would heal or whether it's something lord that's structurally wrong or something just that would never get better without any help i welcome your healing grace in fact i pray lord that many would begin to sense 
healing power of their feet like they've just stepped into water with their feet. They can feel the tactile sense of something upon their feet in a good way. Thank you for it, Lord. Heal neuropathies right now. I hear that from the Holy Spirit. Thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Oh, I love you so much. I love you so much, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good, Lord. Your kindness, your goodness. How many of you are in a spot where you're just desperate to hear something from God, some direction, some guidance, you're at a critical juncture? Hold up that hand. Before you leave, would you ask the Lord right now to give it to you? Now, He may send it to you immediately, download. Or you may just, this prayer may posture you to hear at the right time. But the good news is, this is one of those take it to the bank promises. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should what? Ask God. That's prayer. And he will then put it into a 30-day holding period, run it through a panel of attorneys and counselors. And if yours is drawn by random uh, raffle, then you will be one out of the million. No, he will give it to everyone generously. In other words, he can't wait to help you. And without finding fault, he's not going to say, well, you know, I should have, whatever. And so, remember, he's a father, not a mother-in-law, right? So, um, but he's here, to, he's here to help us. And so, would you just ask the Lord for that wisdom right now? Thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Speak to us by your spirit. It's up to you when and how. But I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room would be anointed and blessed to more clearly and accurately hear the voice and leading of the Holy Spirit than they've ever sensed before at any point in their Christian life. Like the same level of intensity when they were first convicted of sin personally. I welcome that clarity from the Holy Spirit. May your ways be desirable and bright, and may every other way just be kind of dark and disinteresting. Or for some, that it's only one decision to make, or others, that there's many things, many ways they could go, many options. I pray, God, your way would be so clear and that my friends would be anointed to hear. Give them the confidence right now that you have heard this request. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. We're just going to continue to pray. Just stay as long as, as God leads you. Pastor might come up and give some instruction. I don't know. But if you feel that magnetic draw from the Spirit, often it's in these moments that He speaks. How many know what that's all about, right? Just let Him speak to you tonight.